I try to balance my communication. Yes, there will be some facts in there, but actually storytelling is far more powerful. And we also need something to run to, not just something to run away from, which is this, this, this future vision to paint. Welcome to another episode of Communicating Purpose. I'm John Higginson, and I believe that the best way to get a message across clearly is by talking about something that you honestly and passionately believe in. By doing so, you bring people with you, your passion becomes theirs, and I call this the power of purpose. Today, I'm joined by Ben Tolhurst, Director at Business Declares. Business Declares is a non-profit organisation which works with businesses to raise awareness of the climate, ecological and social crisis by declaring a climate emergency. Business Declares focuses on facilitating difficult conversations within business, agitating for change and enabling business leaders to become thought leaders on the environment. Previously, Ben held a UK-born role at the commercial real estate firm JLL and director-level roles at Capita, Serco and BT. Alongside his work, with Business Declares, Ben works as a non-executive director at Green Tech, which invests in innovative environmental technologies and as a business mentor at the Cambridge Institute for Sustainable Leadership. Um, I'm recording this podcast from Blackheath in London uh, on a bit of a grey day while the rest of Europe seems to be cooking. Ben, tell us a bit about where you are today and and uh, and, and, and the journey on um how you got to where you are today. Hi, John. Um, Thank you so much for having me on your podcast series. Much appreciated. I'm talking from uh, Warrington in Cheshire today. Um, In in terms of what got me to where I am, so I spent 26 years in corporate life, um, basically focused on nothing much more than profit. Um, Worked for some quite hard-nosed profit-centric organisations and profit growth Um, was really what everything was about. I then had a climate epiphany in February 2019, um, which ultimately led me to quitting my job um, at the age of 50. And at that time, I was a UK board member for JLL, which, as you said, is is one of the biggest uh, real estate companies on the planet. Um, That journey then took me to Business Declares. And Business Declares uh, is a network of around 400 members and supporters. Um, you know, we cover most sectors. Um, and members include organizations like the Financial Times, The Body Shop, Triodos Bank, Ecotricity, as well as a number of uh, B-, B corporations. I can tell you more about um, what Business Declares does and how it does it, but I just wanted to pause there in case I uh, overshoot my answers. No, no, that's that's uh, great. Um, so, no, do do go into um, what, what, what you do and how you do it. That'd be really interesting. Thank you. Okay, so having left um, corporate life, I really felt a massive sense of purpose, which caused me to, to quit my job in the first first case, and a desire to do something meaningful for the rest of my time. Um, what I liked about Business Declares is that it focuses on, I think, a unique combination of three things. So the, the first thing that we do is to 
facilitate good practice amongst our members. So, for example, if a business says, how do I calculate my carbon footprint? Um, how do I look at my scope three and my suppliers? How do I deal with offsetting? You know, all of these bits of what, what ultimately forms a company's roadmap. Um, we facilitate the good practice. We don't produce anything. We simply facilitate it from others in our network. And if we can't, we go out and find it. The second thing we do is to convene difficult, edgy, challenging conversations. And these are really around the things that are coming down the, the, the line. So, uh, for example, last year, I recorded a podcast on what should the role of activism be, uh, of, sorry, what should the role of business be with regard to activism? And on that podcast, there was a member of Just Stop Oil, there was the global head of advocacy for Natura & Co, um, and a CEO of, of a B Corporation. Um, coming up this year will be a podcast, uh, will be a, a discussion on the biggest topic uh, in the boardroom right now, which is degrowth. How do we, how do we grow um, on a finite planet? Well, the answer is we can't. So what does that mean for business? So that, that's the number one challenge for every board uh, in the land. So, so that's the second thing we do, convene these difficult conversations. And the third thing we do is we amplify campaigns. So any campaign that is really um, influential and uh, important in addressing the climate, ecological and social breakdown, we, we will amplify. So very recently, we... Uh, signed up to make my money's make my money matters campaign and open letter signed by lots of business people asking the Wimbledon chief exec to drop Barclays um, as their corporate sponsor and I, I'm sure all your listeners know Barclays is Europe's number one fossil fuel investor and a massive advocate of deforestation and ocean degradation through its investment in meat production and single-use plastic. So why would any brand want to associate itself with Barclays? No idea. Wimbledon have, and there was a big campaign to um, ask them to, 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 drop, to drop Barclays. So that's an example of one campaign that we amplified in social media uh, by signing their letter, etc. So we, we think that combination of good practice, difficult conversations and campaign amplification um, is, is actually a unique combination for helping businesses to accelerate their plans. Great. You've gone into a lot of different um, points there, and I just want to pick up on one of those. So um, corporates getting involved in activism, um, how does that work for you? Because I know that there's some people would say it could be look like greenwashing. How does a corporate um, become activist without criticism that it's actually greenwashing? I think it all depends, firstly, on how you define activism. So some, some people call themselves an activist because they uh, run some workshops in their corporate business around the climate science and where we're heading and what to do about it. <clears throat> For other people, activism is gluing yourself to a road. So I, I think the first thing, John, uh, to, in, in order to answer that question would, would be to have a definition of activism, although there, there isn't time to, to go into that right well, what now. Would, what, I, I think, what would yours be? If you, if you could define it right now, what, what would your, your, your definition be? My, my definition would be um, the uh, act of and support of taking nonviolent direct action Activism has to be more than simply facilitating discussions and bringing in meat-free Mondays and you know zero plastic straws. It, it has to be disruption and it has to be urging the government to stop 
licensing new fossil fuels because that is against all science um, and the UN and, and Antonio Guterres, etc. So, so for me, corporates need to be supporting nonviolent direct action. I've recently launched a um, activism policy which is free to download at businessdeclares.com for all corporates to um, use as, as, as a blueprint. Um, I'm not saying this is easy. In fact, it's incredibly difficult because um, <laughs> corporates are all tied up with you know, di- different actors uh, and, and different businesses. But the time is now to speak out. We don't have very much time left at all. And I think the voice of corporates would be hugely powerful if they could come out more vociferously in support of um, trying to change some of the, the, the government's slightly scary uh, direction that it's taking us down the, cl- the climate path. Great. And, and um, there's a bit of backlash, isn't there, at the moment to some of the activist organisations such as Just Stop All, and you gave that example there of an organisation that, that disrupted Wimbledon uh, uh, with an activist going on to centre court. And, yeah. uh, and, and um and we've got uh, disruptions going on at the moment, actually, in central London uh, um, to traffic. Um, can you name some organisations that are funding um, direct action organisations like this and ones that ones that should be and have and have done done it effectively? You know, that their that their consumers uh, are are in favour of what they're doing. Um, well. I, I don't have the privilege of knowing who's who's funding who when it comes to activism, so so I can't really answer that, John. Obviously, um, in the press, um, everyone will have seen that uh, Ecotricity, uh, or or more or specifically uh, Dale Vince, has given money to to Just Stop Oil, as has Adam McKay, the the film producer. That's all been in public domain. So those are, those are the only ones I can um, I can I can name. But it, but if you think about what's happening at the minute. These, the slow marches going on right now are totally legal, right? It's, it's a right to protest. There is nothing illegal happening with those marches. The second thing to mention on those is that um, they last around five to 30 minutes. So the level of disruption is not, exactly, um, is not exactly startling. And the third thing to mention, of course, is that all bikes, all motorcycles, all blue lights, and I think for the most part, buses are all are all let through. So um, the media likes to whip up a frenzy of, you know, millions of people's lives being ruined by these protesters. But actually, is is a very short disruption, which, by the way, is totally legal. Tell us about one of your uh, biggest communications wins that you've had uh, since setting up. Yeah, so I, I think I would probably um, point to um, the big one. And the big one was a uh, climate protest organised by Extinction Rebellion on the uh, 21st, I think it was, of April this year. And it we involved were, we were 100,000 people. We, you were there, we, fantastic. We were there, it was um, great, yeah. Good. Well, I mobilised um, a group of over 300 chief executives and business leaders, most of whom has n- have never been to a climate protest, some of whom actually brought their kids and their dogs. Um, and we stood outside the Department of uh, Energy Security and Net Zero, known as DESNES, um, as part of the People's Picket. Um, and to be able to bring together that many business people, that's never been done before, by the way, that scale of business people at a climate protest. 
I, I ended up doing five media interviews in 40 minutes from the Financial Times to GB News to LBC to Business Green um, because the, the, the media and everyone else was, was very intrigued by the fact that business people um, had actually come to a climate protest. So I think from a comms perspective, that, that was definitely one of the, 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 the big wins to, to mobilise that amount of people to something which is t- typically not within the domain of a, of a business person. Yeah, great. And um, just just for any of our um, listeners, one of the things that w- we decided for for that because it was the, the big one, and that there'll be other ones like it, I'm sure, in time time to come. It was during a weekday, and I said to all staff, "We are a small organisation." I said, "If anyone wants to attend this, you you you're able to do so. You can do so in working hours. You can take a few hours to go and um, you know represent it." represent us and represent yourself at that so that we can we can show that and you know a good number of staff went along and 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 enjoyed doing that and I think that's something that even a small business can afford to do and can do it's essentially cost no more than someone taking a long lunch really uh and and is a way of of showing as a business what you what you stand for we didn't in any way bring along our banners saying who we are we're not using it as an advertising platform at all I think I think you've got to have those 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 things um, separate. You need to say, look, if this is something that you want to attend, we are giving you permission to do so, and it's not going to come out of your holiday or anything like that. Um, tell us about a um, communications failure that you might have had. Yes, um, I, the word failure, I'm, I'm, I've got mixed views about. I think it's loaded. Uh, you know, it's quite an outdated word. And, and for me, for everything I do, whether it's gone well or not well, I, I try learning. Pick, the, pick the learnings. Yeah, pick <laughs> yeah, the learnings good. out of them. Okay. Um, and and here's, here's the learning. Here's the answer to your question. So one of the things I have t- typically done and still do a bit too much is I talk in terms of facts and figures when it comes to the climate, ecological and social breakdown um, with, with a sort of view that, I've got all the, there's all these facts and figures about what's going on, where we're heading, you know, the disaster that we need to try and avert. And and I realized two things. Um, There's two things missing from my communication, which has not made it effective. The first of that is storytelling. And the storytelling around, rather than quoting facts and figures about something going on, to actually tell an individual story, or even better, get them to tell it, um, to make it personal. So that, that's, that's, one, that's one learning. And the second learning is to, to paint a picture of the future, um, a future that you would like to have. And I draw a great um, inspiration from Rob Hopkins here, who paints a picture of, of 2030 and describes the sights, the sounds, the smells, the taste of that future. And so my, my biggest kind of communication learning, if you like, is that I try to balance my communication. Yes, there will be some facts in there, but actually storytelling is far more powerful and we also need something to run to, not just something to run away from, which is this 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 future vision to paint. So that 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 would be my view on that one. Great. Well, as we know, identifying a problem is halfway to solving it. So it sounds like you're working on that one. So looking forward to hearing those those personal stories come through from yourself. Um, what do you, how do you consume the media yourself? What do you read, watch, swipe, listen to? 
Yeah, I, I do try to get a balance um, within the time that I've got. So, you know, I, I will look at the Daily Mail um, and the Guardian online um, to get a, a bit of a, a balance. I, I have been known to dip into GB News for as long as my nerves can take it. Um, I do also watch Channel 4 and the BBC. So, so a mixture of sort of mainstream press, I guess, from different uh, uh, factions as well as um, mainstream news. Um, also read a lot of climate-related stuff, largely driven from LinkedIn, largely driven from my networks um, yeah. within, within that area. And, you know, occasionally some climate-related um, or other uh, sort of fiction or, or semi-fiction type books like Ministry for the Future, for example, um, which is one I've, re- I've recently read. So I think for me, it's about trying to get a balance. Yeah, there's a good, good, um, not quite sci-fi writer, but he's, um, uh, yeah, great, great book, Ministry for the Future. Uh, yeah. Good, good, good tip there. Um, what do you do to distress? Because you've got a very, um, it, you've got a job that brings a lot of uh, stress and, uh, and the world's negativity towards mm-hmm. you. How do you de-stress? Yeah, so um, number one importance is exercise. Um, It's, you know, I cannot even begin to explain how vital exercise is in my life to just zone out to to raise a heartbeat to to just get some of that stress out of you that that's that's fundamental. Um, What form of exercise? What? Can I ask how you exercise? Are you a runner or a cyclist? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I I did used to do triathlons, um, but I got slightly fed up with all of the faffing about that one has to do. So, <laughs> for for me now, it's it's a mixture of a, a bit of running, um, but mainly um, kind of stretch and strength, uh, um, and and maybe some cross trainer type type stuff. So not not really much in the way of cycling and swimming anymore. Yeah. But, so you're but doing the, stre- the stretch and strength stuff. Yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, but but trying to keep supple and 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 trying to keep you know flexible and, and all of that lot as well as raising the heartbeat through cardiovascular. So so yeah, a range a range of exercise, uh, cooking and diets is is massively important to me. Um, I love cooking. We've got an allotment by the way, so um, probably about forty percent of what we eat is is sustained from uh, you know a low carbon uh, source down the road. Oh um, and, and, I, and I love sort of playing around with different different types of cooking. That that is a real de-stressor for me. So so they, that that's really the, the the kind of bulk of it. And and of course being around friends and family and you know having having a bit of a laugh with them as well. Well, well done you. I'm a I'm a very amateur gardener, and I find that the, the that the um, insects and slugs seem to seem to be getting the better of me this year. I've got. I've got some peas out in my in my garden that, that that will get picked, but I could not argue anywhere near forty percent of my diet is coming from uh, stuff that we've grown ourselves at all. Um, just finally, before I let you go, Ben, could you give me one piece of advice that? Sorry, tell me one piece of advice that you would have given to yourself at the start of your career if you could go back now. Yeah, so I've had a tendency to. Um, always focus on the outcome, always focus on the deliverable and the means to get there is a sort of necessary evil. But I've learned as I've got older 
that the process of something is quite is is as important sometimes as the outcome. So my advice to my younger self would be um, enjoy and be present and aware of the process rather than seeing it as a necessary thing you have to get through in order to get to the end result and look at the process as a deliverable or a result in its own right. Great. Well, with that, I hope our listeners are uh, back in the present wherever they are. Uh, I hope you've had an enjoyable uh, podcast. You've been listening to Ben Tolhurst, Director of Business Declares, speaking to me, John Higginson, on Communicating Purpose, produced this week by Joe Leonard Waters. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, John. <laughs>